everyone. Welcome to another fabulous episode of Conversational Witchcraft here on the Kuchina Aurora Kitchen Witchery Podcast. This is just so much fun. Uh, Today, we have the amazing Kate Osborne. She is a writer, an editor, a publisher, and digital artist who founded Solaris Limited in the UK the leading independent producer of Oracle card sets in the UK, which is amazing. Her passion for writing, sacred knowledge, and using this to connect with others started early in life, discovering diverse cultures throughout extensive travel and immigration across continents and fulfilling various counseling and mentoring roles. By the time she was in her 20s, she had already visited Europe, Australia, New Zealand, the Pacific Islands, Africa, and America, acquiring knowledge, experience, and a thirst for self-exploration, including ancient cultures and myths. Kate's early working life was steered by the sudden loss of her first husband and saw herself immerse herself in various industries, including real estate, local government, the chemical industry, and radio and advertising. Wow. But the pull of the written word and her need to discover and sharing teachings from across the globe drew her to publishing. During her time as an editor of Kindred Spirit magazine, she met the people who would later become mentors, friends, and clients. Today, Kate is delighted to present the Goddess Resolution as her first self-help offering. Kate now lives with her husband and their two teenage children in South Devon, UK, in the market town of Newton Abbott, where she feels most at home, nestled between the stunning moors in one direction and the deep blue sea in the other. Kate Osborne, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dawn. I... I'm just blown away by just your accomplishments and the breadth of life that you've lived so far, right? Like you're, it's kind of like you're just still at the beginning of your adventures. And I love the idea that you're finding yourself in a cozy space where you're feeling most at home with all this travel in your background. I just, I'm intrigued by everything you've done. I'm intrigued by everywhere you've been and I'm intrigued by your (laughs) new book. I'm just intrigued. I'm intrigued in general. Um, So, so thank you for being here. It's my pleasure. Absolutely. I just love sharing anything that I've found in life that helps makes it a better journey, a more joyful journey, you know, because there's, there's enough for us to deal with that's difficult in life. So it's good to focus on the positive. 100%, 100%. And, and, you know, I think one of the things to me that stands out so much in, in your bio and in the work that you've done is that connection to travel um, mm-hmm. and, and how traveling the world gives you perspective. I think there are two big things that give you internal perspective in life, right? The first is, I hate to say, trauma and loss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. When we go through great trauma and great loss, it changes the the view of which we have in the world and, and creates for me anyway, in my in my personal life, um, a, a feeling of gratitude and perspective. Right. And then the other great perspective thing is travel and learning about other people and learning about other cultures. So I I I feel like we're starting at the end and I want to start at the beginning. I want to know. What drove you to travel and drove you to all of these places in the world in the first place? Okay. First of all, I was very, very lucky. 
that I had um, parents who were keen on traveling as well. Mm. But also because of my father's job, we got posted pretty much like sort of army people would. We got posted to different countries. But the big bonus with that was um, every two years he would get sent back to Germany because that's where he's from to the the, – the sort of headquarters of the company, you know, to make sure he's still in line with everything else. But (laughs) but they would pay for the whole trip for the whole family. And these trips were either six or eight weeks long. And we stopped off for places to get there and for places to come back, roughly speaking. So um, it started from the age of about six right through to I was 18, 19, 20, sort of, I think 20 was the last time I did, but I did that on my own, was doing a world trip on my own. Um, The plus side of doing it so young is you go and visit these places and speak to people completely unblinkered. So you've got no preconceptions of what people should be looking like or how they should speak Mm. to you or what their beliefs are or what they believe about you. You know, as a kid, you just go up and you start talking and smiling and laughing and asking questions and they don't mind answering, you know, your questions, things like that. You've got no hang-ups about race or creed, you know, because children don't, right? Right, right. Not unless somebody really starts drumming it into them from a very early age, but as a child, you're naturally curious and you'll just go and explore stuff. So I was really lucky from that point of view. Then when I started to get into my early teens, I became more conscious. Um, At that stage, I was living in New Zealand, which is quite a multicultural country compared to uh, a lot of the others back in the 80s, this was. Um, I'd just come from Australia, and the only time I saw an Aboriginal person was in a reservation. Okay. And that was the first time I'd even seen a person of colour, of any colour at all. Wow. So for me, that was like, wow, they look like chocolate. That's great. <laughs> it was like That's my how, first reaction. How, how a mind went. Yeah, at six yeah. years old, right? It's wow. just like this beautiful chocolate colored yes. skin and stuff. And then I got to New Zealand, and New Zealand has a lot of islanders as well as the Maori people that have integrated. And so for that, there was, you know, all sorts. And that was fantastic. So for me, it was like great. And then traveling around the world, I was just interested mainly in um, what made people tick. So what, what their beliefs were, you know, what gave them joy and what they thought would happen in the afterlife, because that was something I was very interested in, even from oh. a young age. Yeah. You know, just, just I had a natural curiosity for why I was here, why I was me, why I wasn't some little boy living in another country and having that life experience, or why I wasn't an old lady in another country having that life experience, why was I Kate? So what made me me and have the opportunities I had? So I guess I was just curious and very fortunate and um, really just like talking to people and, and sort of gelled with them. But over time, I also noticed quite a difference in change in the world and in travel, particularly in uh, the Pacific Islands. The first time I went to Fiji and one of the Fijian islands called Mana Island, the resort we stayed in was quite basic, but it was run by islanders. 
and they were happy. These are, if you've ever met a Fijian or if you've seen, I don't know if you guys watch rugby over there or um, no. that's kind of like our version of NFL or something, right, you know, right. but without all the equipment I don't, keeping well, you safe. I'm lucky. I'm lucky. I don't watch sports at all. I don't, no, I, okay, well, I mean, a little okay. bit of the Olympics, but that's, I don't, that's not enough, sportsy sports, enough. but no, I don't. But, but, the Fijian people are big. They're Huge. like six foot, and yeah. like, but really healthily big. And right. they would, so they, I came across these big people and, you know, and they're very smiley and very chatty and the rest of it. And I thought, wow, this is great. And I was playing like pontoon blackjack with them for like matchsticks and stuff like that with the staff. And you're like, how old? 12. Oh my um, <laughs> I love it. And you know, and they'd they'd be showing me like these fish in the sea and where the corals were and stuff like that. And it was just great. It was really lovely. We went back four years later. We went back to the same island, to the same resort, which at that point had been bought. I won't mention the nation, but um a nation further north <laughs> in the Pacific than them, mm-hmm. um uh who uh, quite well off now and have bought quite a lot of that area of mm-hmm. the, or, or the lands in that area in that area and they put all the staff in uniforms all the staff had to now live on site and I've never seen such unhappy people and it really dawned on me it was like they weren't allowed to socialize with us anymore you know it was and I just thought why mm. and you know so it was wow. like suddenly yeah so that had an impact on me the first time I went to Bangkok in Thailand um, again, staying in a hotel, and that was fine. And then my mother and I went out to see the temple, the Jade Buddha, which is one of the famous, the golden temple with the tiny. I was expecting this huge Jade Buddha, and it was it's tiny, tiny, tiny you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but at that time, they were regilding all the temples. And to get there, we were in one of these tuk-tuks, you know, the, the little things that people cycle, the little, but they have Two yeah. people on the back yeah, and the, yeah. the guys, the yeah, tuk-tuks, they're called, the guys um, cycle them. And every time we came to a traffic light, you'd have kids um, slightly, dip, you know, they might have a, a um, crippled arm or leg or something and want to give you flowers to put around your neck and ask for money. And that's sure. sort of, that that really shocked me. That was like, wow, what are all these, you know, these kids? And, and they're obviously got physical um, disabilities and stuff right. like that. And we get to these temples, and all these temples being regilded in gold. And I'm thinking, yeah, they're all these kids starving, starving children in the street. Which was you, really yeah. striking to me, you yeah. know. Um, well, to see that it, as such a young person, and to to be to be so outside. Most children, I mean, until until we go to college, anyway, right? We're yeah. not exposed to anything besides our families, and even this within our neighborhoods and our schools, you are with people of the same the same socioeconomic yeah. in most cases. So if yeah. you're in a a, a a lower socioeconomic group, you're surrounded by others of that. And if you're in a higher socioeconomic yeah. group, you're surrounded by people that are, they look and act just like you. Their families are just like you. Everybody's just like you. So you don't realize that there's so much disparity in, even within the neighborhoods, they're the same, yeah. right? At least that, that was my experience. I grew up in New yeah. York and that was my experience. And to be such a young person with such a moldable mind at that age yeah. to see chill children you as a child you identify a child i'm a child you're a child and you might have a disability and you're out here asking for money and then there yeah. are people adults yeah. who are over here bathing buildings in gold yeah 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 <laughs> whoa what a an eye-opening and mind molding experience for you 
It was, but it also made me think, well, what the hell's going on with Buddhism if it's more important because it's a Buddhist temple? So that started me thinking about the different religions and things. I mean, that was just a sort of snapshot. But later in life, you know, you come to to start looking. Well, I did because I'm curious about it. So um, looking into the different aspects of it. But again, I was, again, very fortunate, went to South Africa. But at the time, there was still apartheid. Right now, if you're coming from New Zealand where it's very mixed and, uh, you know, happily so at the time to go to a country and see a sign that says blacks only in a park or on the bus, whites at the front, blacks at the back was just it was it was like a a really perverse version of Disney World because I've been to Disneyland and Disney World a couple (laughs) of times, too. Right. So I'm just this is just this is just bizarre. Yeah. That's bizarre. Be- and, and and it is it is bizarre on so many levels. But to have all those, be able to really compare those things to everywhere else that you've been, it's jarring. Mm. I would imagine that was very jarring for you. Yeah, because, um, and, and some of the conversations that you hear that the, the white Africans, uh, the, the Afrikaans, um, we're saying, and but again, this is eighties, nineties, so I, I know things have moved on a little bit um, from then. But it, you know, you re- you you, re- you can read about certain things in books in school, but until you go and experience it and feel it for yourself, yeah. and I guess that's that's why I feel so blessed to have travelled so much when I was younger. A, I didn't have to pay for most of it, <laughs> right? Because I sure as hell couldn't afford it now, right? Right. And and B, I wasn't already going to places with preconceived ideas. I wonder, first, may I ask, are you an only child? Did you have no, brothers and I've sisters? No, I've got a younger brother. You have a younger, younger brother. brother. So mm-hmm. he was with you and the family uh-huh. as you were traveling. Yep. Imagining that your brother is asking you questions and you and your brother are going to your parents and saying, why is this? What is this? How come this is like this here? But when we were somewhere else, it was different. I'm really interested to know, what was the information coming in from your parents when you're asking these questions and how did they form your thought process about what you were experiencing? Um, very, I would talk a lot to my father in particular as a child. I like to chat things with him. Now, they've had different life experiences to me because they were born um, shortly after the war. And my father being German and my mother being English-Italian mix is quite a combination. <laughs> yeah. So normally you have like, don't discuss the war. But <laughs> right, right, right. So I, and they both traveled a bit as well. So they, they're quite, they were quite happy to either discuss things with me or point me in the direction of back then an encyclopedia or a library because there was no internet. <laughs> There's no I don't know internet. how old you are, Dawn. I'm old, but, I'm know, old enough to remember encyclopedias. Pre, I'm, I'm yeah. not that young. I'm actually 104 because it's the. Oh, it's, you look fantastic. Thank you. So witchcraft works for you. It obviously. does. Yes. Um, and I tell you what, it's the oils, isn't it? It's, it's your the oils. It's oils. infused olives. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there you go. I say it's the. It's the. It's not the years. It's the mileage. Well. <laughs> Yeah, well, then in that case, I've done a load of mileage. Right, right. right. It's I'm 104. That's that's, oh, that's my number. But no, I definitely I, we had all these encyclopedias, and if you had a question, your parents were like, "Ugh!" Instead of Google it, it was I don't know. Go yeah, look no. in the encyclopedia. Look it up. Yeah. you know that's yeah. what or you ask did. someone or whatever. You yeah. know, so that was quite cool. Obviously, it's quite poignant now because we have so many restrictions on travel. Yeah. 
there are so many, not just COVID, but generally um, there are a lot of places you wouldn't want to travel as a woman on your own anymore. Oh, no, certainly Still, Still, Um, And it's really expensive. It's prohibitive. It's prohibitive. You have to, it's a privilege to be able to travel because you need to be, you have to have the money to do so in a recreational way. And also I have the environment on my conscience now as well, because Mm. jets flying about the planet don't help. So, you know, I just, I feel like there was a golden, if you were born in the seventies, like I was right. Mm -hmm. We kind of had a golden era, I think of growing up in the, in the the eighties and nineties. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I grew up in the eighties and nineties too. Yay. (laughs) I'm not not that young. Um, I'm I'm really not. Um, But wow. But again, like how, how did your parents, you know, you're, you're a kid and you see, you know, you're in, you're in Africa and you see, you know, whites only here. Or you hear stuff. You hear stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Is that something they would discuss with you or would they warn you ahead of time? This is what we might experience when we go to these places. I'd already known from school that, you know, we'd already been educated a bit about what was going on in South Africa because it was quite a big deal, apartheid at the time for the rest of the world. It was shunned pretty, you know, and particularly in New Zealand because um, of sporting links. So there was, and the fact that New Zealand's such a diverse um, country that you were told pretty much everything that was going on over there and sort of, um, (laughs) so what was school like? What was school like for you? If you kept, you were always traveling and you spent years in different places. Yep. What was schooling like and, and your education like throughout, you know, I think I, yeah, I think I was really lucky. I enjoyed school and, um, I didn't find it difficult. So, you know, missing six or eight weeks, my teachers actually said there is you're going to learn far more in the travel than you can in a textbook. Wow. They were cool about it. As I got older, they would set me little tasks like write, you know, write an essay on this place or write an essay on that just so that I'd focus on something. Um, but it helped develop my writing skills as well, I suppose. The, the, funnily enough, a lot of my teachers when I was in New Zealand were English. They come from England, migrated to New Zealand. Yeah. Um, from Wales, from um, Scotland, because there are a lot of um, people from the UK that moved to New Zealand. So, uh, yeah, I I felt very nurtured as a child, I have to say, by all the adults around me, my parents, my grandparents, my teachers, you know. So um, I was really lucky when I compare it to some of my friends, how they grew up and stuff. I think, wow, I even had my grandparents, you know, even though they weren't physically around because most of them were in Europe um, most of the time, but when they were staying with me, I could discuss anything with them. And Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, and again, to, to what a unique life experience you've had. And, and our, you know, childhood development mm-hmm. sets the stage for who we become as adults, right? What yeah, we learn right. in those first few years, you know, between birth and five years old, what we observe, how we see the world, what we learn in kindergarten and, and first grade, you know, it's personality forming and the mm. way that we work through our adulthood and what we learn about how do men and women act together? How do brothers and sisters act together? How do, you know, how do you act in public? How do other people act in public? For yeah. you to have such a rich tapestry of experience to, to learn from must have been I mean, I, I can't even imagine it because my life was so sheltered. 
Yeah. You know, we were a traditional Italian Catholic family growing Not up on, really. <laughs> growing up on Long Island, New York. Yeah. You know, in in your picket fence, your typical American, um, you know, neighborhood where all the houses look the same, exactly suburbia, um, and that's what that's what is normal, and I'm using quotation marks for normal um, mm-hmm. and stable and. And meanwhile, yeah. everybody's fucking miserable. And everybody, yeah. <laughs> everybody's miserable. Everybody, you know, the parents are working a million jobs. The kids are being yeah. raised by television sets. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, you're not getting real life experience, especially on the scale that you got. So now you're a young adult going mm-hmm. from, you know, maybe going to college, maybe meeting mm-hmm. people, starting your own life, starting your own career. How did that upbringing influence who you became as a young adult and the choices that you made at that point. Yeah, sure. One of the things, because I spent um, my bulk of my teenage years in New Zealand, my most formative years in New Zealand, um, was that I thought I would, I was going to stay there, settle there and stay there. Mm. It felt home. It's quite a special country, I still think, even to this day, mm-hmm. even though I've lived in England now for 30 years and I've got, fam- you know, all my family are here and my children are English, my husband's English, so all of that. Um, but there's something very special about those two big islands down there. Um, so I thought I was going to stay there and then uh, got news that my father was being posted back to Germany and we mm-hmm. hadn't lived in Germany since I was six years old. And English is my, I speak German, but English is my mother tongue. So I was quite resolute that I would go back to Germany, do my, finish my education there and then immigrate back to New Zealand on my own when I was 19, which I did. And it was horrific. <laughs> Oh no, yeah. what happened? Oh, it reads like a like a drama series. Um, but effectively I was well, from from the age of about 15, 16, I started becoming unwell, but mm. I didn't know it. And because my greatest fear was to lose my mind as a child, that was my biggest fear. Wow. Um, was to end up in a you know mental institute or something. It's funny what you worry about. You wor- I worried about my eyesight, losing my eyesight and going mad. They were the two things. <laughs> I don't want to, I can be blind or I can be yeah. mad, but I can't be both. No, no, I can't, no, no. You can't be mad and, and, and blind. Yeah. And I thought, well, I can overcome one because I wanted to be a psychiatrist, right? So I thought, well, I could do that. And then I discovered I was much better at literature and languages than I was at the sciences. So I thought, well, I'll do law and help people instead of medicine and help people, right? So, wow. Um, right, again, funny yeah. the things that you worry about as a kid, right? Like, I know, I know, I right, know. But right. um, so I ended up, I ended up thinking, okay, my problems will be resolved if I get back to New Zealand. Mm. Um, And at the time I went back to New Zealand, I hooked up with my old swimming coach who was five years older than me or something, which seemed like a massive gap when you're 15 and he's 20, but not when you're 19 and he's 24, right? So um, only to discover, and I won't mention his name, but only to discover that he was um, part of what what we call over here generally, the Happy Clappy Churches. Happy clapping like so like Pentecostal. A, a radical but, but, Christian kind of Yeah, group. speaking in tongues, all that business, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, no, that's not um, good. It's not good. Not well, not good for me. No. And um when when things started unraveling for me as they did because I hadn't, you know, that we hadn't discovered what my issue was or anything like that. He basically locked me in the house for a weekend. Oh my god. And told me I was a witch and I was possessed. And now you're like, well, kind of am a little bit witchy, but no. Wow. Seriously. 
And I thought, and at the same time, Dawn, the Gulf War kicked off for the first time. Oh my God. And there's me in New Zealand, all my family in Europe. And I'm thinking, fuck, I can't handle a war kicking off with Europe. Right. America and the right. Middle East, and I'm stuck down here in New right. Zealand. Right, and and you're in a place where uh, your mental health is not great. You're emotionally yep. vulnerable. You're a teenager. Okay, you're 19. 19. 19. Yeah, you still, think you're still a kid. You think you no. know everything. <laughs> you think you. I'm going to move to New Zealand, and I'm going to date my yeah. old coach because he loves yeah, yeah. me. He so yeah, loves me. That's right. Right. That's like, right. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to university. It's all going to be and great. Everything's um, going to be great, yeah. and I know everything about my life. And we're going to. Yeah. Yeah. And every 19-year-old's a fucking mess. And <laughs> and here you are dealing with on top of your regular 19-year-old stuff, right? Yeah. It's the whole yeah. world crashing down on you yeah. all at once. And then a psycho yeah. boyfriend locks you in a room for a weekend. Yeah. Like yeah. that it does. It reads it's like a lifetime movie. I don't, yeah. How do you again, like, but but let's just focus on this for a second. Mm-hmm. As a 19-year-old woman mm-hmm. in a new place struggling with the things you're struggling with Mm -hmm. and you overcome how people I still had contact with my best friend from where I grew up from when I was growing up I would I went back to the set roughly the same well the next town on from where I was where I grew up and my friend rang me up and didn't recognize me on the phone and was so worried she drove over broke into the house and took me to hospital a good friend uh-huh that's a good friend we're still friends now she's still in new zealand she's been you know this this is this is we were both 19 i'm 51 now so this right. you know this is yeah 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 and listen so, let's let's put this out there because this yeah. is a public you know people are listening yeah, yeah, to this yeah. yeah it is not your fault if you're in an abusive relationship it is not your fault if you're dealing with mental health stuff, it is okay to ask for help. It's okay to not know where to turn. And more people than you think have been through similar oh, yeah. situations. Yeah. You know? Now, bearing it, in mind. Yeah. 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 Up until that point, I pretty much lived in a gilded, well, in a sense, in a gilded cage because my family were quite well off. You know, we're traveling, all of this sort of stuff. I didn't find school difficult. So compared to most of my friends, you know, okay, oh, it's getting this and getting that. And, uh, you know, I was a prefect and all that hoo-ha. Um, so this was for some of my friends. It wasn't nice for them to see me suffer like that. But also it was like, oh, my God, she's going through, you know, I this best friend that phoned me up she went through very difficult times when she was young and she used to call me and say, can I meet you in the park? Cause I don't want to be alone in the house with mm-hmm. a particular person and yep. stuff like that. So yep. we'd been through stuff together already. Um, so I think for a lot of people, it's just nice to know that actually we can all relate to each other. If you get to my age, you haven't got to my age by just living a cushy life. Right. It's interesting because before we started recording, one of the things that you said to me was, um, you have found it. You asked me questions about my path, which we just touched on very briefly. But one of yeah. the things you said before we began recording was no one in our line of work who writes books or who's on this pagan path or this witchcraft path, none of us got here because we just woke up one day or we just woke up like this or we just yeah. born like this. Born it like is, this. It yeah. is our traumas and our life experiences that bring us to these paths and and the work that we do, like all of these experiences of your younger life 
bring you to, I mean, you get through this, right? You, you get through this horrible situation. Your friend basically saves your life. And that's, I don't think that's an exaggeration, right? She, she did. She, yeah. She was right to take me where she did, even though immediately afterwards she thought she'd made a massive mistake, right? Because she saw what happened to me in hospital and she was like, oh my God, what are they doing? You know, because they just pumped me full of drugs and they, they didn't know, you know. Right. I learned, I knew very, I mean, I've always had um, experiences or things that have happened in life to me that I can't explain. Like that has happened from a very young age, but I didn't know what that was. And I was quite scared of it till I started coming across more people like me and then going, I actually embrace it. Right. Right? So, um, and I was, I was having some of these experiences at that time. And in my head, I wasn't so far gone that I couldn't think just get well enough to fly home so they can put you on a plane take you back to mum and dad, take you home, right? Yeah. Because I realised my problems weren't because I was in Germany and if I went back to New Zealand, it would sort my problems out. My problems are in here, in here, right? Absolutely. Predominantly in here. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, so I I was determined after, you know, cussing at my friend for doing what she did, but then right. afterwards saying you did the right thing and right. she knew she did the right thing. Um. And then we then there were very good family friends of ours who took me in for a couple of weeks and just made sure I got well enough to be able to fly back. I don't even remember the flight back from New Zealand to I'm not Germany at the time. Yeah, I'm um, not surprised. <laughs> and and the funniest bit was when I got when I got to the airport, my parents walked straight past me because in the three three and a half months I'd been away, I lost three and a half stone. What is that? That there's a thirty pounds, thirty five pounds. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's right. Quite what, significant. A stone is like. 10 pounds or 12 pounds. I can't know a stone. A stone is 14, 14 pounds. pounds, Right. Mm -hmm. So that's crazy, right? That's how sick you were in a sick environment. And I don't mean like, Oh, it was such a sick environment. I mean, unhealthy, toxic environment in a unhealthy, toxic relationship. And you're a hundred percent right. I think so many people that deal with mental illness, especially at a young age, yeah. you think, oh, if I could just do this, it'll be better. Oh, yeah. If I just go here, it will be better. I'll run exactly. away. And or, yeah. and I don't mean run away as in like, I'll leave everything no. behind, but like, no. I'm going to change. I think I can change what my external exactly. situation exactly. and that's going to fix everything. Yeah. And it also, doesn't. If you've been the one person who's been hundred percent fine and helped everybody else to that point you can't possibly be seen as the one who's crumbling right if you're if you're the rock for so many other people yeah. for my friends and stuff then oh my god i can't you know then they'll never trust me they'll never yeah. want to speak to me again if they know that i'm this weak ill person right. and actually it was the complete opposite it makes you even more approachable even more yes. you know that that because they know you can empathize you you have an understanding um, I right. would, and yeah. being that perfect student and never having trouble in school and having a great mm-hmm. family life and all that stuff, you get in your own head and you go, well, it can't be that bad. Other people have it worse than me. I'm sure I'm fine. You know, what do I have to complain about? No one's going to believe me when I say that I'm not well. So I just have to deal with this on my own, right? Well, that's, yeah, yeah. I, I can handle it. I, I, I get yeah. straight A's in school. I, everything's yeah, yeah, fine. And yeah, inside, yeah. you literally feel like you're going to throw up your insides at every moment. I'm, Do you know I'm how, yeah. a person that suffers with anxiety. Um, I have some mm-hmm. very bad anxiety things and been mm-hmm. in therapy pretty much my entire life to deal with them. And 
you don't realize how messed up that makes you. And can I say one? Can I yes, say one please, thing? Please. As a non-American, that's one thing you guys have got nailed is the therapy, is the talking therapy. In Europe, they're still so, it's still a taboo, although we're trying a a lot, especially in in England, to change that, but it's still such a taboo to admit you have mental health problems and you're seeing a psychiatrist or you're seeing a therapist. Well, I'm happy to hear Um, that America's doing something right because really we kind of, like, all right. (laughs) Most of the time I meet people from, from other countries and I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, just on behalf of America, I'm just sorry in general. Um, It feels terrible. If any nation is going to say sorry, it's got to be the English, right? You look at the last empire that we've got in the world. No. (laughs) Yeah, no, seriously. And and bless you guys, but you're all ex-Europeans. You're our our teenagers over there experiencing stuff, you know? And we suck. We suck. I mean, I'm super happy and I'm very, very grateful that I was born and raised in this country because it gives me the uh, platforms to do and be who I am. But right now in this moment, we have a lot of work to do. We're right behind you. We're we're right behind you with our prime ministers right there doing all the. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. A whole other, we could have a whole other another show where we talk about no. politics and how much everything yeah. sucks. Can we just have like a little witch commune in the middle of nowhere where we're all just like love and light? and bullshit like I can't whatever um but no I I appreciate that you say that we really have the mental health thing on on our side but the truth is that's not even even within nuclear families you know um it's an issue it's an issue it's It's a taboo it's a taboo it's it's one of the last taboos to go my father was in the mental health industry oh he was a phd in psychology and taught other people to be counselors, right? That was mm-hmm. his job to teach other people. And still in my home, yeah. the idea of going to therapy was like, well, are you sure? Like, you need yeah. to do that? Well, what does your yeah. therapist say about that? Like, there's still the, <laughs> like, there's still, what does your therapist say about your anger issues? And I'm like, yeah. don't poo poo this. Like, <laughs> even in a home like that, yeah, you yeah. were yeah, still, yeah. there's still so much of a taboo. And the only way that we, dispouse the taboo is to talk about it and to be open about it and and to say we are all messed up absolutely like, and also to admit that you can't you you can't necessarily fix it right so to encourage people to go to the right people to help with that as well because as a mum yes. it's you want to fix all their problems all mm. the time and you don't want to you know and then you realize actually you can't sometimes you've got to let somebody who's who's either has the distance, which is important, the emotional distance, um, which kind of comes sort of full circle to the book. Yes, that's what I was going to say. Am, am I allowed to do really tacky? Ah. I love the Well, listen, yeah, say what you're going to say, and then we're going to take a quick break. Okay, okay. Because the book essentially is, it is for women. Mm. Men are welcome to read it. But if I tried to write a book that covered men, women, all genders, whatever, Mm -hmm. I will never finish. So I thought, what do I know about? I'm a woman. I write about that. Um, And it is, it's connecting with the goddesses. So there are different goddesses from different mythologies and from around the world, but essentially it's about giving coping strategies to managing our emotions. I love it. Because at the end of the day, we are 
emotional beings. Our energy is expressed through emotions, right? A hundred percent. I am. I really want to like d- dig deep into mm. the book and and because now we know who you are and how you got here. So I want to <laughs> get into the book and and everything that's within it. And I have a bunch of questions I want to ask. Oh. Let's take a quick break and hear from our fabulous sponsors, and then we'll come right back and we'll be uh, delving into the Goddess Resolution with Kate Osborne right in a minute as soon as we get back from our sponsors. Okay, guys, we're always talking about different kinds of readings and divination on this program, but I want to tell you guys a little bit about Sam Balea. Uh, He's an astrologer with over 15 years of experience um, in readings and divination and healing, all kinds of great stuff. And he is offering right now one-on-one consultation sessions uh, of, of his astrology work. He's known for his daily horoscopes, instructional videos, and he really aims to encourage partnership with the natural forces of our world. Um, so his style of reading in astrology is very accessible, very knowledgeable. He's an amazing astrologer, can really give you a well-rounded reading so you can get to know your chart and what the stars have to say for you. Check out Sambalea and book a reading today at sambalea.com. That's S-A-M-B-E-L-Y-E-A.com. And you can check him out, follow his daily astrology postings and his daily horoscopes at sambalea.92 on Facebook and on Instagram at sambalea333. And of course, on Twitter at Scorpio Rising. S as in Sam, B as in Balea. Check out Sam Balea, book a reading, get your chart done. You will not be sorry. Okay, guys, I've got to tell you about The Goddess Resolution by Kate Osborne. This book will uplift and restore your emotional well-being through spiritual connection. The Goddess Resolution by Kate Osborne combines traditional self-help with deeply inspirational and nurturing goddess spiritual workings to guide you and encourage your life, especially when things are going rough. With insightful exercises, rituals, and mantras, as well as inspirational stories, Kate Osborne's Goddess Resolution empowers you to create, navigate your unique path of your own emotional well-being. From the beginning to the end, Kate's uplifting commentary and deeply moving stories spotlight goddesses from cultures around the globe. You'll find yourself inspired and encouraged to walk taller, ground deeper, and speak your truth from the divine that lives within you. Order your copy of The Goddess Resolution wherever books are sold or order directly from Llewellyn.com. Llewellyn.com, L-L-E-W-E-L-L-Y-N.com. The Goddess Resolution by Kate Osborne. Uplift and Restore. We are back on another episode of Kachina Aurora's Kitchen Witchery Podcast with an episode of wonderful conversational witchcraft with the 
absolutely inspiring, Kate Osborne. Um, your new book, The Goddess Resolution, mm-hmm. it, it, I, I don't even have the words for everything that we've talked about, but I love the fact that this book is primarily a self-help book that incorporates goddess spirituality. Oftentimes, books like this are the opposite. They're Correct. spiritual books that incorporate a little self-help. Um, but with your journey in mental health and everything your whole life and living your life throughout the world, this is really about how to cope, right? How to manage. Um, and I really... Why the goddess path? What drew you to the goddess path with the self-help? And why now? Okay. Why now? Complete luck. (laughs) That everything's come together the way it has. It's been fantastic. Um, For in, in, um, with my business, with Solaris, the first sort of 10 years of Solaris, I was ghostwriting for other people mm. and helping other people get published because most practitioners um, of alternative, whether it's alternative medicine or Oracle decks or Reiki masters or angelic people, whatever it is, they're brilliant at what they do, but often struggle getting that down in pen and paper. A lot of people are dyslexic. I've come to realize that are, that, are, yep. So, you know, so, um, so there's that. And the publishing world is quite a tough world. Lou Wellen won't mind me saying so, uh, to get into, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so it, I was just doing anything I could to work with people who needed to get their message told mm-hmm. quite often or needed to get the information out because most of them are conduits for the information, right? So even in when I was write, writing the book, and I was doing, there's a lot of exercises, a lot of rituals from meditation, from um, a very contemporary version of Buried in the Earth, which is a Native American thing and actually happens in South America and all over the world as well. Mm-hmm. But this is one that we can do with blankets and a sleeping bag and just getting out in nature. Was there anything with blankets? Sleep. I'm in. There you go. <laughs> so, um, so with all of that in there, the inspiration was just coming and it's not me going, Oh, I'm so clever. I can remember all these things. I just think, okay, if the information comes in and the information goes out and um, what's important is that somebody else, if somebody else can get something from it. I love that. Um, I love that. That's, that's the important bit. So it's, it's the same with, you know, I've I've met a lot of psychics and mediums in my time Mm -hmm. and um, most of us could do it if we tap back into that again, because it's just a very high level of intuition. And a clearing of Where, the mind, right? Absolutely, yep. because it's very it's very easy to cold read for people, um, but to completely just allow yourself to be a vessel for information or energy to come through and pass through without you sticking your little fingerprint on it, it's really hard because we're human and we, we're trying to like, you yep. might think you're helping yep. by saying, oh, I think it means this or I think it means that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I'm just trying to give just say particularly to women because um, I am a woman and I have a husband, a son, a brother, a father. So then a lot of male mm-hmm. in my life and a daughter. But um, to say to as much as saying, look, we need to step up to the plate too because all men are born of women. That's right. So we have a responsibility that we are the, the you know, the creators. We are the numero uno popped out of us and like you've said all children are kind of molded in how they cope and their emotional responses from the ages of five to seven yeah uh, sorry not five to seven from zero to five, zero to five or yeah. zero to seven 
Yeah. yeah, there's some people, you know, there's an old saying, give me a boy till he's seven, I'll give you a ma- the man for the rest of his life or something like that. It makes a difference. It, it does. Yeah. It, it really does. The way we speak to our children. I am not a mother. Um, I, I, mm-hmm. I do not have children of my own. I have fur babies and I own a mm. business and my business is my child and my employees are my family. Exactly. Um, and I nurture those things. Um, but but you you are a child you have been a child as well yes and most of the reasons i'm fucked up are because of (laughs) i swear the one of the reasons i don't want to have children and i've not wanted to i can't i can't say this but i can't say it because i'll have to cut it out but um (laughs) most of the reasons i have learned about myself why i do not want to be a mother have to do with knowing and understanding my limitations about how I am with children, how I feel about children. And that comes from being a child. Mm-hmm. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, but you're hundred percent right in, in the development and, and how we speak to our children and how we speak to our boy children is just as important mm-hmm. as how we speak to mm-hmm. our girl children. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, I don't have, listen, I don't have the strength and the, and the, I don't ha- I don't have that. I don't have it in me to be a mother on that level. Um, but I'm really interested in through all of this work that you've done emotionally, yeah. personally, you know, what particularly brought you to goddess work? You know, there, you could be having magical workings. You can have yep. you could be doing garden witchery. You could be, you know, I, I, I imagine um, geographic witchcraft being like what the earth is holding in its spiritual spaces okay. in okay but why why goddess work for you because actually there is really no difference between the work that witches do and goddess work because it's all wise women right mm. so for some people they're just more comfortable with the idea of working with a goddess as opposed to working with a witch just because of the terminology Yes. But there are a lot that cross over. Hecate, mm. or however you wish to pronounce her there, is a Greek goddess, but she's also known as Queen of the Witches. She is. She's the mother of witches, right? So, yeah, exactly. Mother of witches. But so there you've got a goddess who's both, who's doing all things. Right. Gaia crops up in both. Yes. There's a side of Gaia that is not, you know, similar to Kali, the destroyer and things like that. They, they're capable of creating a lot. And if it, Ain't going well, they'll also take it all away and give the space to start all over again. Because when mama ain't happy, no, ain't nobody happy, right? Mama's going to come in and if you're, she's going to give you everything. She, she's the creator of life. Gaia, the creator of life. Kali, chaos. And then I'm going to wipe it all away and start over because I can't begin life if we can't also destroy life. True. Right. And, and you balance. need room. And, and also energy constant. For me, it goes back to energy. To me, everything is energy, right? You right. can answer why are we here? Energy, because we're all a manifestation of energy. The table, your lovely dresser behind you oh, is you. one manifestation <laughs> of yes. energy in wood, for example. Yes. So it's then how you channel that energy. And that's kind of what the book touches on as well through your emotions to either have a you can have a negative outcome, you can have a neutral outcome, you can have a more positive outcome. And I'm not saying you always have to have a positive outcome because that would be boring and also very exhausting to have to keep going down yes. that route. Um, but to find the balance, because at the end of the day, it is about balance. So yeah. you can have a shitty day, right? And you can have a shitty week, but, but you need to then also have a somewhat decent few days and things like that. Otherwise, you end up in a dark place for a long time. Yes. 
likewise, you can't be manic all the time. You can't have, yay, I'm great and it's all fine because you're going to burn out and fall big, right? So it's about striking that balance. And also, I, you know, I'm quite, I'm led by my emotions, hands up on that one. So, you know, there are times where I'm like, Rah! yeah, I'm also fire sign. So, you know, there's all yeah. of that going on as well. Yeah. Um, but it's just thinking, okay, and maybe it's an age thing too. As you get older, you just think like you realize life is short, mm. this life that you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, there are not that many people that can remember all their lives before or even into into the future some sometimes you might get a glimpse of stuff or a feeling deja vu and all that sort of thing but you need to make the most of this life now because um this is where we learn and where we grow and what feeds our soul for what comes next i'm a firm believer there definitely is next I agree with you 100% on that, 100% on that. And I definitely think that when you start working with and studying uh, goddesses, one or more tend to stand out um, at any given Mm. time. Actually, right. I'll say, yeah, I'll say this, Dawn, and this is kind of kicking my <laughs> kicking myself in the in the in the boot a bit. Yes, you, you could probably find a list of a hundred or more goddesses, but in effect, there's about seven, right? The archetypes, right? Yeah. And they are just just depending where you are in the world, she will have been given a different name and maybe governing slight, because we are also governed very much by an, our environment. So mm-hmm. you're going to get goddesses that are fueled by fire or wind or whatever it is in parts of the earth where that dominates. You're going to get goddesses yeah. that are of the woodland and water where that dominates, you know? So, um, yeah, it, it pretty much, there, there are these, like you say, the archetypes, there are these Gaia has many different names depending where you are around mm-hmm. the world. And similarly to um, Kali, because she's she's a part of a, another god, goddess creation, the destroyer, and you've got various versions of her throughout different cultures as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me, going back to your question when you said why goddesses was because for a long time I didn't like women much. Oh. Growing up, I, I preferred to be in the company of boys because I found them quite easy to read. Yeah. Not complicated. Um, Once you had an argument, the argument was done. They tend not to hang on to stuff. Women tend to hang on to stuff and churn it out again at a prime moment. Um, And yeah, I just didn't trust women very much. Girls, particularly. That's very interesting. That's very interesting to me. I had a very strong relationship with my father and you had mentioned that you always felt really comfortable with your dad and you always felt really Mm -hmm. comfortable you could talk to him about anything Mm -hmm. that's how I felt about my father as well and so Mm -hmm. I would say until I was in high school um I've always been able to have really good relationships with men right really good relationships with men they don't intimidate me I'm not afraid of them I feel really comfortable around dudes like I'm 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 fine I worked construction for a large part of my (laughs) life where I was with my father and men all day every day yeah um and so interesting enough I I same kind of situation yeah I didn't really but I felt like an empowered woman oh yeah so I didn't feel connected with this idea of a Catholic God and wh- how you saw oh, okay. women in, yeah. in that, uh, in that dynamic of you're either Mary the Virgin or Mary the whore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't see myself in that religion at all. So I very, mm. the, the duplicity of I'm super comfortable around men, but I don't see myself in my spiritual path. So now I need to find a spiritual path where I can see myself. 
Yeah. I, I would have to say I've always had a couple of very close girlfriends, female friends, yeah. But generally on the whole, I'd rather be in a room with a bunch of guys than in a room with a bunch of women, right? That's that's just kind of I, where I yeah. was at. Yeah. Until I, I don't know, until I got maybe into um, the spiritual side of stuff a bit more. Uh, but even then I found a lot of the women within that circuit were flaky or catty know, or um, competitive. Yeah, or inauthentic. Or inauthentic, which oh, yes. did my, you know, say one thing and do another. Did my head in a lot. What is that? Why are girls like that? <laughs> but they are girls. Girls are like that. Women are not right. Yeah, and that quite. comes down it's to the that. insecurity. Yes, we are not in com- competition with each other. And I think once you are a woman that takes yourself out of the competition with other women. Those bitches don't want to have anything to do with you. And then you find the other women that are also not in competition. Exactly. And that's, that's, this is why maybe you're, you know, when you were saying that, why now? Because there are more women who are waking up to that fact now. Mm -hmm. They're saying, actually, we're stronger together than we are apart and fighting each other. 100%. And so then, then I started. I did actually, I did a deck first, a dark goddess deck. Um, I did the artwork and two of my very close um, author clients, friends did the um, writing for it. So we were looking at primarily. I'm I'm looking behind you there. Oh, I've seen this deck. It's yeah, Llewellyn had this one in the States. Yeah. So this is this is all thank you. This is all dealing with the shadow aspect. Yeah. So you've got all the dark goddesses there, but it's the shadow aspect. So um it's not what it's not one if you like light fluffy angel stuff telling you you dark handsome strangers coming tomorrow. Mm, No, not so much. Not so much. Yeah, no. It's it's a bit different from that. And it was off the back of that that Llewellyn actually suggested to me, well, when I was talking to one of the editors about goddesses and and the mythology around it and what was going on at the time and she just turned around and said to me well have you thought about writing a book about it and I said to her honestly I always thought my first book that I write would be fictional like Dan Brown kind of stuff yeah no way yeah seriously because of my my journeys it's like oh and I've got a real keen interest in you know life outside of um, our realm I love it Um, yeah so I thought now I'm gonna do like you know uh, an angels and demons type of book or Da Vinci Code type of book. A thriller mystery. I would read the yeah, hell out yeah, of that. But do you know, do you know what's always so frustrating? You get this great plot. You wake up at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You think, right, got to write this down. 11 o'clock, you've forgotten everything. Yeah. Um, and then six months later, a film comes out. That's mm. exactly what you were thinking like, about. That was my book. God damn it. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So I went, okay. And she said, well, it's going to be self-help. Okay. But actually, it's when you do something like that, it's like therapy for yourself. Because mm-hmm. I have done every, I counted out the other day, there are 30 30 exercises and rituals in the book. I don't even well, I didn't realize there were so many. So um, good on anybody who sticks to all of them or goes through all of them. Um, but I've done every single one more than once. Um, and even if I say in the back of the book, even if you're not, you know, you, the, the goddess mythology stuff isn't something that you've come to or that you've only just come to now. So it's not something that you necessarily know a lot about, or maybe you like just learning about the goddesses, but you're not really into doing all the ritualistic stuff. Right. Um, or you think you're not very, you know, you're trying to meditate and it's not quite working quite right, or you've done something else and it's not working quite right. Most of this stuff is out in nature. You do it out in nature for a very important reason. Mm-hmm. Um, 
the fact that you're just giving your body the 10, 20 minutes a day, the brain, the 10, 20 minutes on that day to focus on something totally different, it's starting to heal you. Yeah, abs- absolutely. So you don't, you know, you because a lot of people say, oh my God, I got to keep practicing. You know, I'm crap at meditating. I really need to do it with a living flame. I can't just sit there and om away the day. I know, I know. I've me got, too. I mean, for too. me, yeah. yeah, I've, for me, music's meditation, just listening to lovely music, walking, swimming, they're the things that mm-hmm. I can just do and switch off. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully there's enough in there that people find um, enough for themselves to, to just gain a bit of perspective or gain a bit of calm. Um, when they come, because it's, you're never, reading a book like this is not going to stop you from having a tough time in life. It's just hopefully going to make, help you manage that time better. Yeah. And it's going to make you feel a little less alone. It might give you a little insight into what you're feeling. It's going to give you, working with these goddesses and, and learning about them may help you focus your energy and emotion and call on these energies and emotions for support and and to see yourself and see them in you. I think that that's a really important step in help in the self-help genre, because that's what we're looking for. We're all looking for belonging and we're all looking for deeper understanding of self. And that's yeah. what I think this book gives. Um, yeah. what, did, what did you learn in the writing process of this book that maybe surprised you about yourself or about the goddesses? That surprised me about myself or about the goddesses. Um, that how much of it actually relates to proper physical change in your body as well. Oh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you might read um, a meditation, uh, uh, an exercise, a ritual. Say, say for example, I'll pull out um, the buried in earth because we spoke, I mentioned that earlier. Mm. Now, most people know this, that's quite, it's quite a big undertaking normally and you have to have a shaman or, or an elder with you to do it. You know, they properly bury you in earth and you have a little pipe that you breathe through and you're immersed in this darkness and it's time for reflection and connecting with um, sometimes the demons inside for want of a better word, you know, whatever it is, but, but knowing that the earth will then absorb it as well and take away um, the mm. negative energy, that side of things. Here, I'm suggesting people do go out and do it in, you know, take blankets and a sleeping bag and immer- and find somewhere in nature, clear a space and lie down and get and do this at dusk and get yourself as covered up as you can. So you're just feeling the earth beneath you. You're just hearing nature around you because depending on what time of day, it's going to be different sort of noises, the smell of the Mm -hmm. earth, of the leaves, depending on the time of year. You can do this any time of year. I would recommend drier, warmer times. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, And allowing yourself just and closing your eyes and doing, and I go into the book to do simple, um, proper, you know, simple deep breathing. Yep. Proper breath work where where the breath is allowed in for a period of time. It's allowed to rest with you. It's allowed out for a period of time. And the more you practice that, the more smooth it becomes. Now, breathing like that in its own affects your body. It lowers cortisol levels. It helps with your blood pressure. You know, so there are things that already that's scientifically proven. This is, and this is, I guess, what I learned was that a lot of witchcraft work and goddess work is not woo woo. It's science. It is. But back then, they didn't have the scientific terminology for yes. stuff, right? 
Yes. So they would have just said it was, you know, the, the whatever goddess speaking to them or whatever animal was coming through them and speaking to them. Um, and actually, I think people are crying out to be connected back to nature rather than trying to get their heads around these Latin scientific terms for stuff. And it's it's a lot easier to teach a kid just to say, well, that's, you know, that's deer magic or that's earth magic or that's air magic. And, yeah, Absolutely. you can you can tell them about it later on. But all stories that reside with people, the Bible being the classic example, is because it's told in such a way, they're stories. They're told in such a way that resonate with us that that's how we absorb information is storytelling. That's why all the tribes had oral stories and yes. passing on oral wisdoms before they wrote anything down. Yes, yes. And that's really important. And um, so the more that you can tell your story, mm -hmm. tell your story, not just write it down, but tell it to people. And people speak about things in their experiences and, and tell those stories and show the emotions when they're telling those stories so people can absorb it, that energy. It, it goes straight in here. Even if you don't think it's gone in here, it goes right. straight in here. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that that you saying that the thing that surprised you the most was how the physical mm. relates to the spiritual, how these physical actions, as simple as deep breathing, they change your mind and heart and what they open up, they open you up to receiving energy and giving energy. But the science behind it is there and we are lucky enough to live in a world where we have the science and the data to back up the absolutely the, the spiritual concepts you know and that the everything is vibration which i that's my favorite yeah. kind of magic is to be like yeah. no which I is proved, the energy it's vibration right, right. yeah I, exactly. I proved it to you because it's science like it's not just i didn't yeah. make it up like i yeah. literally raised my vibration <laughs> and made this happen you know and and so you have that that proof you know as you're talking about the blanket i want to call it the blanket ritual yeah. or this buried yeah, yeah. in earth ritual and the deep breathing i can literally close my eyes and picture myself like swaddled in yes. blankets and having the the sensation of feeling cocooned and supported embraced, embraced and supported by earth i remember mm. doing a meditation in a yoga class once where um it was a yoga nidra class i don't know if you're familiar with yoga nidra and um for those of you who aren't familiar with yoga nidra it's a deep meditation process where you basically scan every part of your body and send your intention to that particular you'd be like your big toe and then you go to your next big toe it's a crazy deep meditation you'll never sleep better in your life than when you do yoga nidra <laughs> not ever but i can clearly remember it might have been when my father was ill and uh, he was going through, you know, the last stages of, of cancer. Mm -hmm. And I took this yoga nidra class because I needed a stress relief. And I remember being in that. And this is the feeling I get when you talk about this ritual that's in your book. And the instructor saying, feel the earth beneath you and know the earth is always there. The consistency of Mother Earth the consistency of mother nature and that she is always there to embrace and support you. And I never forgot that feeling of being fully supported and being allowed to let go of all of my physical muscles and feel myself sink in. And I think as we're discussing goddesses and this type of goddess work, 
that is a feeling that comes to mind because she or they are always mm. there. You just have to remember. And isn't that the mother we all wish we always had? And mm -hmm. isn't that the mother we all wish we could always be? Right? You're blowing my mind here, Kate. You're blowing my mind. Um, I really, I, we're running out of time, but I, I, know. I really want to talk to you about this one point that mm -hmm. you had brought up in, in the questionnaire. And I was so intrigued by it. I, I had to bring it up. I want to talk about what is the importance of energetic manifestation in myth as you, you brought that up in the questionnaire. And I was like, oh, what a cool thing to talk about. And how does it translate into your life? Okay. So in, when I'm talking about energetic manifestation in myth is the idea of, of creating these, you know, Marvel characters for want of a better word. Back then it is the, we have the gods and the goddesses in mythology and it's in all cultures, in all the stories, but generally we tend to talk about the Greek stuff when it comes up on the Norse stuff, right? Because right. that's what's familiar to us. Um, but it was for me, at least for my sort of learning and understanding, it was just another way of expressing, express, expressing human emotions and human psyche, but they took on these godlike forms, mm -hmm. right? So we have that the Venus was all about beauty and love, but that's the part of beauty and love within all of us, but it's expressed in this particular way. You know, Pandora, the idea of her being the curious one and, and curiosity in the end lets out all this horrible stuff, but hope is what remains. So there are these, they are really big life lessons for people back then, but they needed, like all people, I think people need something or someone to believe in or look up to, especially when we're little, mm. right? because we are just little. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that the idea of the way that energy manifests in us today, the energy is always there. It's our choice how we decide to bring it into fruition. And right now we're living in a very interesting time where there is this imbalance. So a lot of energy is being manifested in a way that is not healthy for the planet or for people. Yes. Um, and those people who are manifesting the energy in that way are so far gone. I actually feel sorry for, for some of these people mm -hmm. um, because I think that they're so um, immersed in, in kind of that life and what's happening there. And um, they only see that they're very short, their lifetime, right? They, they're, they're only like in it for the, it's, almost, it's like a weird way of saying being in the now. Well, being in the now is great, but there are, there are three, you know, there are generations going to come after you. There are generations before you that you need to pay respect to. So being in the now and living for yourself in the now is okay to a point, mm -hmm. but then you still need to consider other things. So when we're manifesting our energy, we have to think, okay, how is our energy, the way we manifest it, going to affect the generations to come after? And how is it paying homage or respect to the generations that came before us as well? So that might be in the way we look after the planet, um, in the sense of, the um our living conditions for the planet because the planet is fine the planet can cope whether she's an ice ball or a fireball she'll do she'll it all remain. again she's done it before yes. and she'll do it all again but if we want to continue living on this beautiful version of the planet you know our our sort of um eden version of the planet mm -hmm. then there are certain things we have to consider and change and do now 
that also re- that will also help us to feel better in ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Because we don't want to be eating stuff that's polluted with plastics that we can't see. Yes, yes. You we know, don't want to be affect- killing, you know, sea life because we are using, uh, you know, laundry detergent that has some sort of a chemical in it that's going into the groundwater that then all seeps sorts. out. All of, exactly. all of those things. Yeah, that... that I mean, energetic manifestation and i think you hit the nail on the head when you said and 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 just to interject very quickly the people that are energetically manifesting the bad stuff don't know they're doing it they are not conscious they are not and and i think that's the problem is that energy thought becomes energy the way that we walk through the world becomes the energy that we put out into that world so if if you are a person or i am a person that is sitting over here thinking everything sucks i'm not grateful my world is crap blah 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 you're literally going to create more of that in your own sphere that's going to bleed out energetically like ripples in the water that's going to bleed out energetically to your family to your friends to your next generation from the past generation you're going to it's going to hit everybody and you don't know you're doing it and doesn't this all tie back to the beginning of this conversation mental health taking care of yourself getting your shit together and handling yourself and healing what's hurt within, not fixing, but healing. Correct. Correct. And this is why it's about coping strategies, about learning to cope with things. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, um, well, for me, certainly, the the toughest times have been the most learning times, the, the times that have given me the greatest strength, um, that have also allowed me not to fall apart when it happens again. Right. So I went through that stuff I did when I was 19. But when my husband committed suicide when I was 26, I could cope with it because oh of what I'd been God. through before. Okay. Oh my goodness. No, it's okay, Dawn. It's okay. Seriously. Um, so that's, it's weird. You don't know it till you kind of, and then you, as you're getting older, if you're very lucky, there are some things that will destroy people. Um, suicide is still the biggest killer of the under 35s in our country across the board, not cancer, not car accidents, nothing. It's still suicide. So I'm, and because I have strong feelings about it and maybe not what you think, I, I was very angry when my husband did what he did. Of course um, you were. To start off with. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you left a big ball of mess here. How dare you? It's right. It's (laughs) it's a very, um, it's a loaded topic. I think a lot of people have lost people to suicide. And I think as a society, when someone someone is, I want to use the word victim of suicide because that is an outcropping of, it's a symptom Mm. of not being able to get the help that someone needs. Right. And and we've, uh, what comes to mind is, is, and this is going to sound, and it's not at all to yeah. compare myself to to your lo- immense okay. loss, but yeah, yeah. I was very affected when Robin Williams died. So was I. I was, mm. uh, even to this day, I haven't been able to watch a movie really? with him. I, 
I haven't been able to listen to music that he, you know, like the Aladdin soundtrack. If that, yeah, yeah. I, I'm a giant Broadway nerd, and and if that comes up on my, yeah. on my, you know, Pandora radio yeah. station, I have to change it because I, I feel too emotional mm-hmm. hearing his voice. You know, um, as a child, I grew up on on his films, and I considered mm-hmm. him like another, like an uncle, like my favorite uncle, Uncle Rob, Rob, Uncle Robin Williams, mm-hmm. and. I was highly affected by that, by that loss. Have um, you, yeah, sorry, did you, have you heard some of his, some of the stuff he's done, podcasts he's done in his later years? No, I, I, was a I super, super switched on individual. Yeah. As a lot yeah. of comedians are, they yes. have a, they have a very switched on side, but it's hidden behind a lot of darkness and stuff as well. Correct. Yeah. I, I, I can't watch him give some of his material without shedding a tear because it's right. almost like a kindred spirit and you think, if only I could have talked to you, you know, but what, what your husband must have been going through, how desperate he must have been. Yeah. Fortunately, I, yeah, I know. I knew why afterwards. And, and the funny thing, he's, he wasn't short of money. He wasn't short of love. He wasn't for him. It was because things were coming up in his past. He didn't know how to deal with the pain he he must have been in. It's yeah. Yeah. Well, he left a suicide note, so it spelt it all out as well, which actually was loving towards me and not towards other people. But, um, the thing is that I would have looked at and thought, I'd never kill myself over the things you've killed yourself over. But then I'm not living his experience. He has different coping mechanisms to me, you know? Right. And maybe if I hadn't gone through the trauma I'd gone through at 19, I would have also thought, oh, yeah, that's the right thing to do, you know? But because I'd gone through something and thought, no, I'm not giving up now, it puts yeah. you in a different place. And, and I'm a massive, massive believer of um, stuff happens for a reason. You know, and so we didn't have children. My second husband, who knew my first husband, we've had we had the children together, and it was all. I'll tell you a very quick thing. <laughs> um, I used to dream about my husband after he died, not pleasant dreams because of the way he died. Yeah, right up until I fell pregnant with my son, my first child, and on the day I knew I was pregnant with him, the dream stopped, and it was almost like my husband was saying, "Okay, it's all right now." You're gonna make me cry. I don't mean to. It's a good thing. It is. It's beautiful, sweet, harrowing, awful, and wonderful because this is yeah. life, and life is all of those yeah. things, and all of those things have brought you to a place where, through your work and your experience, you are using it to inspire and help others. I hope so. Well, we wouldn't be here if you weren't, Kate. You no. know what you're putting out into the world. It all comes from what you've seen, who you are, what you've personally had to hold and carry. And now you're saying, hey, look, this is what helped me carry this, finding this divine purpose, finding goddesses to, to identify with, living your, your life in an authentic and clear way to help others and inspire others would not be possible without all the trauma that you've been through. Does that mean trauma is great and everyone should go out and try to have trauma? <laughs> no, no, of course not. There are some people that can turn those things into growth opportunities. They can take their grief and they can, I mean, grief never, never goes away. You know, we learn how to wind ourselves around it and it within us. And it becomes part of who we are, and then it becomes part of the work that we do. Um, but that's 
what life is. I will tell you a quick story. Um, in 2009, my husband and I lost our home to fire. And it was a mess, horrible, but we were in a um, attached condo situation. Okay. Right? One person died in this blaze. Oh, my God. Yeah. 16 families without homes because of this. And out of the 16 homes, out of the 16 families that found themselves going through the same experience, we are the only ones that I know of that said, well, this is a terrible situation. How do we survive it? Versus this is a terrible situation. I'm never going to survive it. Yeah. Yeah. That is the intrinsic part of you, Kate, where someone else who's been through what you've been through would have given up, would have said, I'm just going to survive. I'm just going to live. And, you know, I'm just going to breathe air and eat food and have no passion, have no life, have no work. I'm just, I, I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to exist. But you, because of who you are and your experiences and how you've chosen to handle things and channel that into helping and inspiring other people, that's what makes you different. And that's what makes you unique. And that's why this book is going to be so influential and so helpful and so inspiring to so many people. I am just filled with all kinds of good juju in my heart from this conversation. <laughs> I think. Well, thank you. You're just fantastic. Oh, I forgot. Oh, okay. Oh, I gotta collect myself. I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry. Um, I love you. Um, uh, if I could hug you, I would. I want to hug you person. so bad. I want to hug you so bad. One day I'm going to get to the UK. Yeah. It's going to happen. Um, okay. So before I have like one last fun question that I ask all my guests, but before we do mm -hmm. that, tell everyone where they can find you online, where they can buy this amazing book, how to connect with you if you're on Instagram and all that jazz. Okay. I'll keep it very simple. Um, the book is for sale on Amazon. Well, it's it's coming out for release 1st of March, but you can pre-order it now. So anywhere in the world through Amazon. Well, right? this is going to be, we're not airing this probably, we're recording this in February, but we're probably not going to be airing this until May or June. So by the time this okay. the episode- The book is out on the Amazon. The book is out on Amazon. <laughs> out on Amazon. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> um, and- I'll just give you my website because there are contact details on there if you want to reach me, which is www.solarisltdforlimited.com. Solarislimited.com. The book is The Goddess Revolution. Resolution, yep. It is I just, it's, I'm, it's so inspiring. I, I'm, I'm blown away. Um, it is available wherever books are sold, right? Absolutely. So, mm -hmm. so even here in the States, we'd be able to get it at our Barnes & Noble. In the States. Mainly, mainly in the States. In the States. Mainly in the mm -hmm. States. Fantastic. And of course, at Llewellyn. Um, so I'm so excited for everyone to get this book. Um, now I'm going to ask you my very last question, which I ask everyone. Um, mm -hmm. I am a kitchen witch and my magic is food. Mm -hmm. If you could have me make you one magical meal, what would it be and why? <laughs> this is a toughie. Um, okay. Do you do desserts? I do. Could you do me a dessert, please? Yes. And the reason why is because I just love sweet stuff. <laughs> do you? 
my favorite dessert is ice cream I'm really simple but if you can work if you can work it into any dessert that you like well what do you what's your favorite ice cream well ice cream or cheesecake now you're Italian cheesecake please oh cheesecake now do you want to do you want a ricotta cheesecake where it's like proper a a proper proper ricotta cheesecake with like old school with like lemon zest and just Simple, simple, just like yes. vanilla and lemon. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Oh, we're good. Yes, please. That's so funny. You know what's funny is that I am not a sweets person. No, I didn't so, think you would be. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm the person that would always take, um, as you would call them, chips. I would take. Yeah. I would take buckets and buckets of chips over a cheesecake any day. Like my my favorite thing is like salt popcorn and potato chips or you would call crisps and yep. and french fries which you would call cri- chips <laughs> I gotta, it's all right we've got mcdonald's here we understand french fries yeah, but mcdonald's <laughs> mcdonald's is not real food no, i want to go into the pub and i want like oh yeah i want like yeah, big I've, chunky big chunky yeah. british chips Ch- with yeah. vinegar yes that's what i want i would i would yeah uh, so when I'm when I come I to the UK, I also like all of that. I happen to like food. Full stop. But um, <laughs> <laughs> this is where the camera stops here. This is where the camera stops here. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much, Kate, for being here. This has just been so wonderful. Thank you so much oh, uh, for, for joining you. me. I hope you had as much fun as I did. I did. Um, until next time, I wish you all many, many blessings and just so much gratitude. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.